everybody to another episode of M Class Email. I'm Jeff. I'm Email Boy Josh. Uh, Josh was calling me a poopy face before this. I want you all to know how much of a traitor he is to our cause. Uh, Jeff was being a poopy face, That's so fair. I want you all. That's fair. <laughs> he owned up to it. I didn't expect this. On uh, M-Class email, you write us emails and we read them, and then we make with the the goofs and the yuck-yucks and whatnot. Sometimes we tell stories about when we pooped our pants. Well, that was on on Jeff and Josh Shoot the Shit, ironically, considering the name. (laughs) We we talked about shooting the shit out of our buttholes. Yes, so uh, if you want that, God, that's a bad advertisement. We actually talk about The Witcher... Star Wars and Lord of the Rings on the newest episode of Jeff and Josh Shoot the Shit, which you can get today if you're not a patron by becoming a patron. Zane was telling me uh, a story about one of her friends that when she went to college was like, are there rings in the Lord of the Rings? (laughs) And Zane was like, Zane was like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, Yeah, there's rings. Yeah, I heard about it. Uh, our first email. <laughs> oh, is, is it me or you? It's me. Oh, this is a long one. Our first email is from Luis, and it's Luis. entitled Trek Docs. Okay. And Luis says, Hey there, Trek boys. I just finished watching What We Left Behind, and it really made me appreciate Deep Space Nine's place in the franchise. But it also makes me think about the initial reaction towards the show and how it compares to newer Trek, at least Discovery. People complained about how the main characters didn't always get along and how it seemed more like a soap opera than real Star Trek. I guess what I'm asking is where do you guys think Star Trek writing lost its way? Best wishes, Luis. Sorry if this seems like a ramble. I just left Quarks. Damn, you were at Quarks? Jealous. How is he? <laughs> uh, I haven't watched that documentary. I actually, I I have, I've only watched parts of it, actually. <laughs> I um, I think I haven't watched it because it would make me sad. I feel like that's probably me as well. Again, you know, I haven't watched anything for the most part, so there is that. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you, man. I watched that fucking um, QAnon thing on HBO, and it kind of documentaried me out for the year. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm good for documentaries. I like the Spock documentary. The yeah, one, that, yeah, the yeah. one was about Leonard Nimoy. I like that. Uh, where do you guys think Star Trek writing lost its way? Uh, I feel like there's there's always some wise guy. There's always some some Billy Two Shoes out here being like, <laughs> people complained about TNG when it came out. People yeah. said that wasn't Star Trek. People yeah. people were doing the same thing with Discovery. It's the same thing. The, and the difference is. Well, one of them gets good. <laughs> well, I think it's important to point out that TNG's first season is pretty atrocious. So yeah. you're not yeah. doing yourself any favors there. Right. And uh, I'm not saying you, Luis. I'm not saying that you're Billy Two-Shoes. I'm talking to Billy <laughs> No, you're Luis. Um, <laughs> talking to Billy Two-Shoes here. But, uh... When I, I think I think there's de- I think there's definitely a group of people who very much hate Discovery just because it's different. And yeah. there are also a group of people who hate Discovery because it's about a black lady. But yeah. I feel like equating everyone who doesn't like the series with those two small groups is... Yeah. Uh, it's disingenuous, and it's also like... 
just shitty behavior in general. If you don't like the thing I like, then you're a racist. Yeah, that's not why, like, I mean, I think I can speak for you, Jeff. That's not why we don't Now I'm a like huge the, racist. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have heard you say Spoonhead a few times, so... Look, those bloody Cardies. Look, those fish juice drinking Spoonheads better <laughs> get their shit together. Um... Um, yeah, no, I mean, where do I think, I mean, it's obviously, like, it went downhill with the final two TNG movies, and then yeah. kind of like the prequels, it, like, put a bad taste in people's mouths, and then they went overboard, and they over-exaggerated, and they hired a bunch of Hollywood's worst writers <laughs> to make new movies, that's where I think it really the went thing, wrong. The thing is, like, it was definitely the Star Trek reboot movies is when it yeah. really went wrong. Well, like you said, like Nemesis is like very much a first step in that direction. If I had to trace it by Yeah. Uh I Insurrection is like a really boring bad TNG episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Nemesis is really where it started being like bigger, more explosions, evil clones. Yeah, yeah stuff is crazy. Yeah. Characters you love are dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh I don't hate Nemesis or anything, but it, it's it's definitely that first step into where the problem comes in where Yeah. Um, Star Trek is trying to appeal to a wider audience, and in doing that, it's becoming more of a generic science fiction show. It's, it's selling its soul. That's exactly it. It's sold its soul. Paramount That's sold true. Star Trek's soul to the devil. I don't uh, <laughs> disagree with that at all, actually. To the Satans. Uh, the, the Satans of the Satans Collection 1, everyone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... The uh, the writing is very much like broad strokes. Like l there's like l a lack of nuance because uh, nuance turns away general audiences. Like I had a friend who I'd always joke with was too dumb to like Star Trek. I'm right here, and he um, he he like loves Star Wars, and he I would joke he hates Star Trek, and I was like, ah, oh, you're just too dumb for it. And he came to me like after. Uh, start after um, In the Darkness came out. Yeah. And he was like, hey, I really like that new Star Trek movie. Is there oh any more Star Trek God. like that? And I was like, no, they made it for you. They made it for people who don't like Star Trek. So I don't really know what to tell oh you. Oh my... That, you're not his friend anymore, right? Uh, I guess I haven't talked to him much in years, but that's because he has like a real life. What? <laughs> I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, uh, there's more nuance in fucking uh, Riverdale than there is in those those episodes. Of, <laughs> I'm so serious. Like there, it, like there's <laughs> my my problem with Discovery is like, um, I haven't watched the, the newer yeah, season. I haven't either. season season and a half, two seasons of Discovery. I watched season one and season two. Yeah, and my problem is, um, are any genuine modern or even past like controversial subjects broached are any minority the struggles of minority peoples touched upon are any right any issues of the day translated into the shooty go bang bang time travel you know what's not interesting to me people's marital problems that's true 
You know what is super, super stupid in space when you're a space explorer? Getting in a fight with your friend. <laughs> and when that's most of the drama, that's... I would say, yeah, Nemesis was probably the first misstep. And from there... Yeah. Um, I mean, misstep in our estimation. It was definitely like a way to make a billion fulfilling dollars for CBS and Paramount. It's a misstep in that, like, uh, Star Trek was on, like, this precipice, right? And it trips on a pebble and it goes, whoa, that was close. But then they hire J.J. Abrams to come up behind you and push you off the cliff. I saw something the other day. The new Batman cartoon. Yeah. It has J.J. Abrams working on it. Why? Can I have one thing in life without that guy working on it? Just one IP. Why? Like, Why is he doing Batman? He like what I don't understand like he does whatever whatever. He, is, um, is he going to be like the self-appointed king of comic books now? Like I always loved comic books. My son wrote Spider-Man. I don't know. He did that interview with um uh John Stewart, where he was like, I, I yeah. never really liked Star Trek growing up, and he said a bunch of other stuff, and John Stewart was like, okay, I didn't hear any of that, because you said you didn't like Star Trek growing up? Yeah, <laughs> that interview is wild to me. Like, are you not trying to sell this movie? Like, yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? Know, like, man. People dig on, like, ugh. even if, the, if it's a bad movie that, uh, you can soften the reception to it by like proving that you care about it. Like, yeah, I, Idris Elba is like a big Star Trek fan, and when I found that out, I was like, ah, he's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, in that movie. Yeah, he's all right. That one's that one's actually like out of the watchable. three. Out of the three of them, that one's like head and shoulders better. It's than the not other two. good, but it's head and shoulders better than the other two. Yeah, I would watch it before the others a million times. Um. I, I do think there's something to be said for the fact that both TNG and Deep Space Nine, when they were getting the initial reactions, the sort of like pushback against them, both of them were not doing very good. Like Deep yeah. Space Nine's first season is way better than TNG's first season, but it's still not anywhere near like TNG's fifth and sixth season, which is what people had gotten used to. Right. And TNG's first season is very bad. And yeah. it's nowhere near as good as the first two seasons of Star Trek TOS that people had seen in reruns a right. bunch up until that. So it's all a matter of expectations being uh, destroyed by the reality of something. And then the shows get better as they go along. And that's maybe that's what's happened to Discovery. Again, I haven't seen like a season and a half. Yeah, I'd have to watch it. I, and I'm, I'm, I kind of want to, but I also kind of... I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, so I th tired. I've thought about bringing back uh, M-Class Discovery, but it's too depressing. Oh, remember when we got, like, so much hate for that? <laughs> it wasn't hate, like, I can't believe you guys don't like this show. It was hate, like, you guys are depressing the fuck out of me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing that. The show is doing <laughs> It's true. It's true. Gaslight the. It's not me. I didn't do it. <laughs> Thanks for that email, Luis. Yeah, it was good. Sorry, sorry you caught some flack for Jimmy Two Shoes. Yeah, don't take. Or don't, Billy Two Shoes. Don't I mean. take flack. Don't catch his flack. Fuck that guy. What's that next email? Our next email is from Ensign Lee. Sup? Ensign Lee says Dear Trexters, in your most recent M Class emails, there was a discussion about using existing video game properties and making movies out of them and how it will always be a bad idea. I have to disagree! Oh, no. 
Wow. This is bad. It's off to, we're off to a bad start. A Simon disagreement had, with a dis- me? <laughs> oh, Reginald, I disagree. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, an even more basic plot line for a game, turned out to be a great movie, especially for kids. Sonic had a good enough backstory. There were lots of fun jokes, like the cop being called Donut Lord by Sonic. I don't remember that. He doesn't look like a cop, that guy. There was, uh, there was spinning and rings. I do remember that. Also, Jim Carrey really nailed Dr. Robotnik, the villain in an action genre, which is most video game, which, wait, which is most video games that would be converted, needs to be as good, if not better, than the hero in terms of likability. What are your thoughts on that bold statement? I mean, that's true. I mean, if you're not gonna, if you don't have a villain that can also carry scenes, then you're just gonna be bored by half the fucking movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I like Jim Carrey as Robotnik. He was good. I li- I liked that movie. It, I I I don't know if I would say like I thought it was like good. I don't know. It was all okay. I mean, it was it was very well received. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Like I haven't seen it, so I can't really. Uh, well, you're the Sonic fan. I I'm. Let's my, not fucking put labels on people i mean you're uh, i liked sonic when i was a kid a lot i've definitely I mean, moved away from that a lot you're basically kevin the hedgehog so deep in my heart and soul i Who am kevin it? the hedgehog this next sentence i was going to bring up before i read it so glad you did darth vader is a far more interesting than luke skywalker eh, and dr robotnik was way more interesting than sonic i mean that's that is one opinion <laughs> i'd say there, there's an interest level that's similar between them, and that's why they can carry scenes alone without one another involved. Yeah, Darth Vader is interesting because he's truly frightening, and like even a grown-up can see, like, oh, you don't mess with Darth Vader. Like that's very. He's he's also an icon. I don't know if I'd call Doctor Robotnik iconic. Everybody knows Doctor Robotnik. I mean, he turns animals into robots. I know that. I don't like that. Saying Darth Vader over and over is just making me hear the name in the Masters of Terra Kasai voice. Oh, how did that go? Can you do it it's for me? It's Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth always, Vader versus whore. I always <laughs> think of the left-right song about Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader. <laughs> I don't know that one. How'd you get so phallic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. He, his head does look like a wiener. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> They even have inside jokes regarding the Japan-U.S. name difference with Sonic referring to him as Eggman. He is weird, kooky, and demented. Also, the music is solid. Okay. Here's the thing. mm -hmm. I'm with you. This movie did very well. It's very well received. Again, I haven't seen it. But um, you're comparing the one good one to the 50... Bad ones we've had so far. Yeah, we watched this, Mario Brothers movie and it's terrible. <laughs> I can't think of any other good video game movie. Mortal like, Kombat. Mortal Kombat's alright. Mortal Kombat's I, good because it's bad. <laughs> Mortal Kombat's good also because it is a complete ripoff of uh, fucking Enter the Dragon. It's just yeah, Enter the absolutely. Dragon. Absolutely. But well, Mortal so Kombat. was the game really. It was Enter yeah, the Dragon yeah, with right. like sci-fi shit. Exactly. But like Mortal Kombat, the first movie is good because it's so bad. It's good. Yeah, and uh, it's the most good of so bad it's good of the movies, and I mean you can argue for Resident Evil, but what the fuck do those movies have to do with the games? Nothing, because I saw one and I was like, 
what I asked Luke, I was like, what is this? He's like, it's nothing. The, <laughs> I was like, like, oh, the okay. Umbrella Corporation exists and they mostly just make uh kung fu monsters. Yeah, they like, make yeah. Those those movies don't have a whole lot to do with the games. Like I'm I don't think I I really don't think I said that it was always a bad idea. I may have joked that. I don't remember. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, you're gonna end up making a fairly bad movie because Hollywood is Hollywood and it does its thing. Sometimes it works because I mean like the concept of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie sounds terrible. It's goofy as fuck. Sonic the Hedgehog comes into our world and becomes best yeah. friends with a cop. Look, <laughs> instantly, I don't want to pile on here, but I'm gonna. Do you not remember what happened with Sonic the Hedgehog movie before it even came out? Oh, that's true. <laughs> People there, were there up in arms gi- about the eyes. The yeah, fucking was, eyes. There was a giant campaign to redesign Sonic before this movie came and out. And they had so. to do it. Although there, there's that conspiracy theory that I kind of almost buy into. Yeah, yes, I, it was I, done I on purpose. Yes, I agree, dude. I'm 100 percent in on this conspiracy theory. Like, I, I kind this. of agree with that. Like, it, yes. there's no way, in my estimation, like I know about crunch time. I know about like shipping stuff overseas to be done and crunch right. time overseas. But the amount of time between bad Sonic and good Sonic was so unbelievably short. It was like two weeks. It was wild, dude. And like, I don't know, I kind of sort of buy into that conspiracy theory. Yeah, that's one that I think about a lot with like... uh uh, like OnlyFans, right? Like when OnlyFans was like, we're not gonna do porn anymore. It's like, well, what the fuck are you gonna do? What are you it's, gonna do? Yeah, and then they were like, just kidding, we're still doing it. And it's like, you guys were desperate for some attention, I think. That's what this was. Yeah. It, it worked. <laughs> yep. It almost didn't, but people were like, pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if it's designed for kids, go all out, make it funny with constant jokes, don't take it too seriously. If it's more for teens, maybe reference Astro Boy, which was the original template used. Mega Man is blue, slash turquoise with his helmet. Leave the helmet on like dread. He he takes the helmet off all the time in the games. He's a kid. <laughs> Has an arm that shoots stuff and absorbs the technology of its enemies. Oh, we were talking about Mega Man. Keep yeah. it real. The show, that's what we were talking about. Okay, uh, we were I talking remember. about they're making a Mega Man movie, Netflix is. Yeah. And, it, uh... You're going to have to redesign Mega Man from the ground up, physically. You you know what it's going to... They're going to make it... Okay, here's what they're going to do. I'm going to tell you right now. Um, Everyone wanted to fuck the robot from Lost in Space, so they're going to make Mega Man look like a fuckable Lost in Space robot. Mega Man's 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to do that. Jeff, he's a robot. They're gonna People do battle angel. Robot. They're gonna do battle angel Alita. And yeah, nobody gonna... wants to fuck that girl, right? No, 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 no sickos want that girl, right, dude? He's ten years old. Is my point. <laughs> they're gonna do like the anime face. Yeah, and they're gonna have the segmented body parts, like the puppet body, and yep. uh, he'll have like a helmet with a visor or something, so it looks less goofy. You can see through it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and that's all fine. I mean. Uh, in my estimation, there's no way to do, like, the, like, really children's cartoon style, like, baby's first anime Mega Man classic and take that and make it into a, a live action movie. All those designs are way too chibified. All the arms yeah. are too big. All the legs are too big. You're going to have to redesign, which is what they did to Sonic. Right. 
And, with his eyes. <laughs> um, a major motion picture studio uh, fucked up Sonic so bad that they had to redo everything about it. And this is Netflix we're talking about, which has a batting average that's quite low, regardless of how you feel about the Cowboy Bebop live action. You mean the greatest show ever made? Mm, we're going that far with it now, are we? <laughs> I mean, you gotta fight fire with fire, right? I so. guess that's true. You could just go completely over the deep end and be like, yeah. this is Citizen Kane 2. Yeah, it's better than Citizen Kane. Um, just make a fucking animated film, man. I don't un- understand I, the necessity for making everything live action. I agree, and and, and Netflix's anime does well. Yeah, like, absolutely. People, people like it, they watch it. I don't know. I don't get it. But if, if you know. really want to attract like a mainstream audience, do like Arcane did and create like a specific 3D art style that's yeah. like very in depth and very expensive. But like that's the most popular thing Netflix has made in almost its entire run as Netflix. Yeah, and it's an animated feature. Um, some things are just not going to translate. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing Mega Man translate. I, I, I think what Jeff and I are saying is, like, all your opinions are super valid, and we really appreciate you sending them to us, mm-hmm. uh, but you're batting, uh, you're, you're batting against the odds here, <laughs> in my fine. opinion. That's and that's fine. fine. And th- that yeah. is, of course, just our opinion. We just, we just have a differing opinion than you. Yeah. All I'm saying, I'll end it. All I'm saying is Mega Man could end up being a good movie. You're right. It could. Or they could kill it by making it be too complicated, slow, over uh, thorough, I think, or really dumb. Mario Brothers and their dumb boots. Basically, work with what you got. Anyways, keep up the good work and putting out the good word, which is Trek is awesome. Instantly, cargo bay door operator number three (laughs) for the USS Valley Forge. That's great. Damn, number three. You'll be making number two in no time. I feel it. I believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> um, here, here's hoping the Mega Man live action can be the next Sonic. Yeah. I like that Sonic movie. It, it was good. Uh, it was email. It was... Sorry, go ahead. Go, you go. It's, give your Sonic review. <laughs> no, it was for kids. It was just a kid's movie, but it was good. That's fine. I, I there's so many things I need to watch. I feel like I'm becoming that old man. Like, do you have to like, watch? They made a, a Sonic movie. <laughs> Sonic the what now? What's that? Computers? <laughs> huh? <laughs> that's just a fad. Like I don't know anything that's I haven't seen anything that's come out recently. How about I haven't seen Spider Man because you have to go to a theater to see it. Oh yeah, I haven't seen that either. Here it's good. Have you seen uh, what comes out of these nuts? <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of times, my friend. Plenty of times. <laughs> Our next email is from uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Adam S. Oh, yeah. It's entitled Blast from the Past. Good movie, starring Brendan Fraser. I do love that Brendan Fraser. Hell yeah. Hey there, Trek boys. Adam, Hi. a.k.a. at questionably tan on Twitter here. Mm-hmm. First time, long time, etc. I was recently listening through all of M-Class for the embarrassingly large number redacted time (laughs) recently and had an idea for an episode of Boston Sean's Pitch It or Ditch It. Nice. I'll skip fawning over you guys for the incredible podcast and to me introducing what has become my favorite show of all time, Deep Space Nine, and just get right to it. I love it. 
as the episode progresses. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. As the episode progresses, we learn about some issues that Miles has been having with Keiko sleep talking every night. Oh, but what's she saying? Uh, small penis, small penis, small penis. Miles, I hate your dick. <laughs> he realizes over time and through context that she's been having an ongoing conversation with a myriad of Earth political leaders throughout history. <laughs> The most prominent of which seems to be former U.S. President Richard Nixon. Okay, go. You're going to have to uh, vote for me in the primary. <laughs> That's really good, actually. I'm really impressed. Put, I put my all into that one. When he asks her about it, she brushes him off, clearly hiding her growing anxiety. Don't Eventually- worry, Keiko. It's, I'll, I'll make it look like a break-in. Oh, God, that's so good. (laughs) Eventually, these events lead to her clearly deteriorating health and wellness, so O'Brien secretly asks Bashir for assistance in an attempt to discover the cause without further stressing his beautiful wife, who is not a nagging bitch. (laughs) She's a great character who we would all respect as a wife, mother, and botanist. Man, if you don't, you're in for some fucking trouble, though. I agree. (laughs) Keiko's great. (laughs) A series of tests determine that something is putting a strain on Keiko's brain, but the breakthrough doesn't come until one night when Miles thinks he sees the ghost of old Tricky Dick Nixon in his quarters. Uh, is this where you keep the uh, replicators, or uh, (laughs) how do I get some uh, whiskey here? (laughs) After this, Bashir is able to determine that somehow, through Star Trek science magic, an alien entity has hijacked Keiko's brain in order to start manifesting itself into a physical form. Using her recent lessons to Molly on Earth history as a conduit for her concentration. Molly's like five. <laughs> hey, Molly, you want to hear about Richard Nixon? Today we're going to learn about Richard Nixon, Molly. They figure out that the only way to help Keiko is to bust this ghost with a specialized vacuum-like <laughs> apparatus. The climax of the episode comes when Bashir and Miles suit up with these not-Ghostbusters devices oh, hell yeah. and head to the O'Brien quarters to save Keiko. After explaining what they're going to do, Bashir tosses Miles a sedative to give Keiko so she'll go to sleep. Bashir then dramatically holds his Poltergust NX-01 up, fucking great, cocks it like a shotgun, and delivers his classic line. All right, chief, put your wife to bed. It's dick-sucking time. Oh, my (laughs) God. The... the, The distance you went for that job—that was—that was like a Norm Macdonald level story into a joke. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> Holy shit! All right, Chief, put your wife to bed. It's dick sucking time. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I'm lightheaded. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm not sorry. Bye. Lieutenant Junior Grade Adam S., formerly ship's counselor aboard the USS Nirvana, currently chief fuck-up aboard the USS Foo Fighters. <laughs> that is a genius joke, too. <laughs> God damn, Adam. <laughs> Knocking it out the park today. That's some deep shit. That's all deep cuts. Ooh, this next one's long, too. Oh, my God. Look at this one. Do you want me to do this one? No, I'll read it. All right. Uh, <laughs> What's that title? I like it's that your title. oldest friend, Phil E. Cheesesteak. <laughs> Our oldest friend. Yeah, it's my oldest friend. 
This is uh, this does matter. It was sent at two oh seven in the morning. So Jesus, this is gonna be good. Happy Year of Hell Part Three, Torox Goys. Read email and extremely attend. Oh, okay. I gotta yeah. do it. Atel- totally optional. Yo, well, how do you do Italian? Let me try. I was doing Nixon. Now I can't do an Italian. No, that was hey like New there, York uh, anyway. Yo, it's like New York. Yeah. What do you want? Or do you want like a Ital- Italy Italian? Like <laughs> it's the very first person. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. I'm just gonna read it. It's, That's fine. <laughs> it's the very first person who ever wrote into your show. Lose ten nats. Phil E. Cheese Staker. I'm still, like, super behind on episode 70. God, that's so long ago. We're on, like, episode 108 or something Catch now. up. I just became a $5 subscriber. We love you. You're our oh, oldest never friend. Mind. You're actually correct. You're the <laughs> you're the best friend, Philly Cheesesteaks. So my listen. oldest friend. <laughs> Definitely my oldest and best friend. So I could listen to the email episode early and hear my email read because I'm not a narcissist. (laughs) (laughs) And the deal was so good that it made my mama say, boys, strap it on your kicking shoes because mama's going to bleed some dollar signs. (laughs) That's a throwback to your own email, you fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Any who's will be... (laughs) Oh wow! <laughs> Am I supposed to read this in an Italian accent? How the Any who's will be? How's that gonna work? Any who's will be? Here's what I fucking hate about section thirty. Oh, now we're getting into it, baby. <laughs> Try not to go on forever, but humor me. Humor me for this one email. Well. First, they clearly infiltrated the podcast and implanted a brain parasite to make me think that Jeff said the organization was impossible. So fuck that. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was going to be about me. Uh, Here we go. The CIA represents uh, myriad cases of failure in attempts to make countries submit to the will of United States imperial... I feel like I'm in uh, history class right now. Mm, I'm learning. Starfleet is not imperialistic, and and tying them to an organization that exists solely to forward imperialist goals, and (laughs) one that often lays plans which backfires no less, is just an effort... Uh, a front to the soul of Star Trek. I just preach said that. it. Preach it. I just said that. Preach it. <laughs> when the CIA overthrew Iran, they they did it because John Foster Dulles, grade A sociopath member of Eisenhower's cabinet, had a chat with an oil executive from PP who promised to cut, uh, promised them a cut if they could keep the country from redistributing oil assets. This is a bunch of history. I'm gonna. We got. I'm yes. learning. Holy CIA, shit! I'm gonna skip ahead to the Star Trek part. <laughs> anyway, the 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 CIA makes a lot of fucking yeah. dirty backdoor the, deals. The CIA is more like the Tal Shiar. That's what we're yes. saying. Discovery Section Thirty One glorifies that type of behavior. That's fine in quotes. It's not for some bullshit Fox Boomer anti terrorist show, <laughs> but it's not okay or co- consistent for Star Trek. I agree. Preach. I agree. They want you. They want to show uh, you cool gadgets and crazy spaceships and shit, but they don't want to show the real cost of an organization like this existing, which is the collapse of the whole government, governments, and decades of turmoil. Colombia, Chile. Afghanistan, Brazil, and Vietnam. These are all real-life examples of what organizations like Section 31 creates. They took a century of 
They took a century of possibility and created dystopia out of it because they wanted to secure some fucking oil and Discovery takes... Uh, oh, it, oil. And Discovery takes Star Trek's quick and subtle message about this type of organization actually representing a danger like that and turns it into a subtle recruitment message. What the fuck? Thank you. Finally, someone who understands, who feels it in their bones like I do. Bones are. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I agree with you. Uh, thanks for being dope as fuck all the time, 24-700. Wow. Jesus, we're really dope. <laughs> uh, Jeff, this part's for you, so pay attention. I'm paying. I've, I've been paying attention, Josh. <laughs> Jeff, I still have to check out your work, but as a fellow artist, sex pervert stuff. Ooh, link us that. <laughs> uh, I definitely want to make sure to support you. Yes, please, Josh. I'm gonna. You're there too. There you go. J.K. Fucking love you since fantasy fiction, bruh. I don't know what you're talking about. What is that? <laughs> wink, 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 wink. <laughs> uh, catch you next time with my Shelly Hack Peyote. He spells. I like how they spell it wrong. P-O-T. <laughs> it's, it's an acronym, guys. That's right. I'm keeping the T. Oh, he knew. He knew. I'm keeping the T, and I'm not telling you what it stands for currently. <laughs> Low 10 Taint Fill A Cheese Tray. Thank you, Low oh, 10 Taint. Wow. You're fun. right. You're 100% right about Section 31 being a CIA stand-in. Yeah. And the CIA destabilizing countries for oil, money, profits, yeah. and backdoor dealings. If that exists in Star Trek, that undermines the entirety of the ideals that Starfleet and the United Federation of Planets right. claims to uphold and turns the utopia of Star Trek's future that we all love and hope for and desire and wish to fight for into a dystopia. I like the part where he said... Um what was it? I forget already because I'm reading this next email already. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> the, it's fine for some bullshit Fox book yes, or anti-terrorist show. Yes, yeah. yes, that was a great. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yes, it's true, You're man. Right. Like 24, like like it. It's like it's like dad porn, right? Like like every dad wants to watch like fucking uh, Chuck Norris like kick ass, and it's like that's not Star Trek. There's no Chuck Norris. Like, there's no... I'm never bothered when there are individuals within Starfleet who go against the, right. the like, higher meanings of Starfleet, go against the higher meanings of the UFP, who are, like, villainous in their ways and, like, are undermining of the utopia because that's one person. Section 31 existing throughout all this history seems to... it completely points to the fact that it's not only accepted, but it's allowed to flourish for what it is, which, again, undermines the utopian future of Star Trek entirely. I'd just like to say, once again, Star Trek Online is the better Star Trek thing, because that's exactly what it is, Section 31 is. Like, they're like fugitives. Like, like if you find them and shit, you're like, what the, like, we gotta fucking get these guys. Like, they're not good, right? They're not, like, part of the Federation. They're, like, a rogue unit, almost. That's probably the better, the best thing you could do with them while still keeping them in canon the way they've yeah. been. That's Just yeah. to create them, to make them into a rogue unit that Starfleet has been actively hunting since they found out about them. Yeah, and the reason they don't talk about it is because, like, 
that you you wouldn't talk about that, right? Like it's top secret, right? Like that you're hunting them even. Sure. I would I still know. like rather that like the general public might not know, but like Starfleet officers should. I think. Yeah, yeah. But, well, it's whatever. We're getting too deep in the weeds here. Let's move on to the next email. The weeds. Our next email is from Metroid Mike. <laughs> it's entitled Tales of Dunking on My Friend's Dad's Ignorance. Damn, take that, friend's dad. Well, golly jeepers, gee whiz. Is that Jeff Pennington of the Bel Air Penningtons? Lovely to see you. Nice suit. <laughs> I am wearing a Donkey Kong's Banana Club t shirt. And a pair of blue sweatpants. Uh, that's a suit in Donkey Kong Country. That's what they consider a suit. That's true. Donkey you, Kong does wear a tie, though. That's pretty fancy. You could go to the the Brazilian steakhouse in that, in that <laughs> outfit. God, I would love to go to the Brazilian steakhouse. I've been to one. It's an incredible experience. I, I have been to one. I want to go again. Dude, uh, the coaster that says, I'm done, the forfeit coaster, amazing. I don't need it. Nope. Uh, oh, hey, Josh, winky face, sexy lips emoji. <laughs> I guess I guess that's good enough, I guess. Well, I guess. <laughs> well, I thought it would be fun and semi-on theme for the LGBT-themed collection this month if I told a story about how I totally dunked on my friend's dad for being an idiot. Friend's dads are often idiots. The Tale of the Ignorant Dad, stereotypical Italian music. <laughs> what's with the Italian We're shit? really bashing Italians this what's, episode. What's going on here? <laughs> so my friend's dad was a pretty stereotypical New York Italian. Mm-hmm. But he lived in Oklahoma long enough that most of his accent was gone. Oh no, this gets a little racist. Um, <laughs> can you be racist against Italians? I don't know. I don't know, is it 1850? I don't know. I'm not going to read this description. <laughs> yeah. he, he's an Italian guy. It's not um, It's not, It's not. not mean or anything. No, no. Um, he was going through a midlife crisis and went out to get a barbed wire tattoo on his left bicep. That's dope. <laughs> that He's going to get all the bitches now. <laughs> that evening he had a bit to drink and went into my friend's room and says, So you think the tattoo was a good idea? So you think the tattoo's a good idea? At the time, my friend was higher than giraffe pussy. That's wow. that's high up. I'm talking cloudy with a chance of munchies. I get it. <laughs> like that sounds all right. The boy was audio slave hit single like a stone straight zooted suit riot. Wow, <laughs> these are pulls. These are some pulls. He told him, "Oh yeah, dad, tattoos are cool as long as you like it, man." His dad looked at him and said, but did I get it on the gay side? Oh, like the earring thing? Remember when the earring thing oh, was a thing? I do remember that stupid shit. That's where that's coming from. That's that old shit, yeah. My friend burst out laughing and said, Dad, that's not a thing. And we walked away. My friend later called and told me the whole thing. I died laughing. It's on the gay side of your body. So I showed up for Thanksgiving the following week, and he walks out the door, and I said, Hey, Mr. C, let me see your new ink. And he comes out flexing and laughing, and I say, ooh, nice, real tough. Why'd you get it on the gay side? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. He got real quiet and stared at me, but I laughed and said, I'm just busting your chops. That's not a thing. It's just playground rumors. And who cares if it was? Nothing wrong with it. But he let out a heavy sigh and said, yeah, you right, but was pretty quiet the rest of the night. Oh, man. Happy Thanksgiving, Mr. C. 
Since then, he's chilled out and learned a lot. His daughter, his daughter came out as a lesbian like a year ago, so that helped. Mr. C became a real cool dude. Ah, Mr. C redemption arc. I've that's ended as best as it possibly could. Yeah. Y'all ever dunk on anyone's homophobia? It's pretty fun. Sun Tzu's Art of War number twenty-seven. They fear you more when they know you don't lie. Ooh. Captain Metroid Mike of the IKS Gay Side. <laughs> Uh, I almost got into a fight with a guy who was drunk at a diner once, and this is back when I had, like, long hair and I wore, like, women's pants and stuff, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he called me gay a whole bunch, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I'll kiss you right here. I just, like, kept doubling down, and he was getting, like, more angry, but, like, less coherent and like oh, he's he, like he was going rabid like I he know. didn't like he, well he didn't know like what to do like because he didn't i was like go ahead hit me i was like fucking punch me dude <laughs> like whatever you know like because i didn't i didn't give a fuck back then dude i was like whatever uh and he and he like didn't want to do that obviously uh so i did that once and and then his friend just like took him home i think his friend was like i'm sorry i'm sorry and i was like yeah whatever yeah, fuck whatever you fuck idiot. you yeah <laughs> I had a friend in college who grew up, like, deep, deep in the hollows of West Virginia. <laughs> Beyond where the electricity reaches. Meow, 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 meow. Sure. And uh, he, he would just say, like, homophobic shit. And I would, yeah. st- like, I would start laughing whenever he said it. Yeah, because it's absurd. Like, laughing at him. Yeah, and he would yeah. get mad about it every time. I'd be like... Like, he'd be like, isn't that something, like, gay people do? And I'd just start fucking laughing. Yeah. Like, yeah, gay people go to the post office on Sundays. <laughs> I'd just make up the most ridiculous shit. <laughs> and, like, just laugh in his face. And eventually, all of our friends started doing that for That's a little great. while. Too. <laughs> That's great. Uh, he, he became an alright guy eventually, too. Does he that guy, Mr. Redemption C? Arc. <laughs> Thanks for that email, Metroid Mike. In my head, I heard uh, the dueling banjos, but on like a, a fancy violin <laughs> after his redemption <laughs> arc. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, next email is from Fedco. What up? Yeah, that's right. It's called Call Out Email. That's oh, Yeah, God. that's right, Jeff. You better believe it, Josh. Fuck yeah. I'm Fedco. <laughs> And I'm writing in today to call out that grim giggler who is from a place that is perfectly mathematically located in the center of Europe. Or was it the center of the world? The world map, I mean. <laughs> wow, that's, that's fucking tough. Uh, not like the molten nickel core or whatever that's at the center of this wretched, marvelous ball of dirt whose gravity constantly claws at our very souls, Uh uh seeking uh to drag us down to the very soil to which all life inevitably returns. Damn, that's poetic. Molten nickel? Yeah, I think it is. Wait, am I just thinking of the stuff that's in vapes? Vapes? Wow. Uh, we don't sell vapes at this station. This is, this is (laughs) wild. Wasn't this supposed to be a call-out? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, we don't sell vapes at this station. Try Walgreens or something. They're at the bottom of the hill. I know they sell Dutch Masters, which was my grandpa's favorite, I think. Dutch, 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 uh... 
<laughs> what was this email about? Something about Europe. A call, a call out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'd tell Ryan, cherished Discord Rian. member, Rian, cherished Discord member, to get sick. <laughs> as is the tradition, traditional fuck you of their native language, Dutch. But, uh... Since they're already sick, I guess this is kind of like when, in Mario Party 7, when you land on the Bowser space, but you're broke as, but you're broke as a joke, so Big Bow's all like, Damn, bro, I should be the one giving you money. <laughs> so, uh, get well soon, Rian. Wow. That was a great call-out email. I feel like I feel like Rian will never recover from I that. mean, did you want to help your friend feel better? Because that wouldn't work. I Get wouldn't. well soon. Get well soon, Rian? Question mark? Fedco, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cryance, officer <laughs> aboard the USS Nothing, whatever, jeez. <laughs> Chief Cryance officer is really good. <laughs> Uh, our next email is from David S. Oh, fuck. And it's uh, entitled Dance Janai Away. That's a great song. Well, pile up some corn husks, help me make some cream corn, and call it Janai Swingers Party if it ain't the Trek Boys. <laughs> boys, I just got back from Janai, and it is beautiful. All them blue trees this time of year really put folks here in the mood for variety and invention, if and you know what I mean. Damn. <laughs> you see, I was there as a consultant to help with their husk production on account of their husk looking sadder and a limp Joomja stick. <laughs> Captain Crisco volunteered me because I mentioned once I was interested in exobotany, but wouldn't you know it, they just call it botany here. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Also, their favorite joke to gendered species is to very seriously ask to see your sex organs and then laugh and just saying they was kidding. Oh, man. Funny joke, but I was redder in a sunset on Vulcan. Damn, you did, you fell for it. Anyhow, after Captain Riker's continued <laughs> ag advocacy for binary genii and extensive research into the fabled non-gendered pronoun for Federation <laughs> use... <laughs> <laughs> Communication and husk parties are the best they've ever been. Nice. Boys, why does Worf keep showing us why he deserves no friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, sure, he marries Jadzia, who has the memories of the manliest person of all time, but he's a sexist and a terrorist and a really bad father. Like, get real, Worf. Damn. <laughs> well, anyway, don't be a ston. Be a Patreon. <laughs> David S. Damn, man. Worf got smoked just then. Get ruined. Burned to the ground in the sea, man. Worf. Michael Dorn is at home right now, like, having a panic attack, and he doesn't know why. I think Worf gets all the writing when they need a shithead. Yeah. That's why. He's easy to be like, is it Worf a dingus? And it's like... Because, I mean, like, some of the stuff he says directly contradicts other episodes. Yeah, he... I don't know. 
Like in other episodes, he talks about how Klingon women are all just as strong as the men and that they take the lead in like yeah. uh, sexual reproduction and everything. So where did he learn about this sexist nature? Because humans don't do it anymore, right? So They needed somebody to be sexist for the joke. Man, wouldn't it have been crazy it, if it was Jordy, like, out of nowhere? <laughs> Jordy goes full incel because he can't yeah. get a woman onto the holodeck he, to have he, sex with him? He's like, a hologram broke up with me once. I have no hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have been any of the Federation, like, regular Federation characters to say that. And it doesn't make sense for Worf to say it either. Yeah. But they needed someone to say it. Well, somebody had to be the one to say it, I guess. I guess. I they guess. needed that joke, I guess. Yeah, that was a real integral part of the episode. It was a real humdinger. It's a real Billy Two Shoes. <laughs> It's a real fucking Billy Two Shoes moment, I swear. <laughs> fucking don't be a Billy Two Shoes. Be a Patreon. <laughs> Thanks for that email, David S. That was a good one. What's that next email, Josh? Our next email's from Curicle. The left hand of darkness. Ooh. Trek persons! Trek persons! Trek persons! The concept of a race of non-binary humanoids is is a very rich field for storytelling and allegory, and if handled well, can hold a mirror up to society's bigotry. This is a fantastic thesis sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, You got a little too many commas in there. We'll work on that. Uh, (laughs) Nah, 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 nah. more commas. I don't... don't, No, 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 no. I don't feel that this episode is the best LGBTQ plus story in science fiction as it takes a really circuitous route to avoid directly talking about non-binary humans. We already addressed this several times in the episode. Mm, in the episode that you have not listened to yet. Yeah. We talk about it in the episode. Um, despite that, it does deserve... Uh, it does serve as a bit of a mirror to shine a light on a few of the problematic mindsets of the 90s American culture. We also talk about this. Oh man, we're so good. Oh, here we go. Worf, as usual, is a stand-in, wow, for small brain, conservative, toxic masculinity. Dude, you even said this. He's, yeah, like, quoting Yeah, I was talking you. about his toxic masculinity yeah. bullshit. Curical, were you there? Yeah, being uncomfortable <laughs> with the Jedi's gender fluidity. There, that's exactly what Jeff said. The illegality of ascribing to a single gender touches on gender-based persecution. Yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The brainwashing treatment of Soren is an allegory for the atrocity of conversion therapy. Yeah, we man, talked we, we about hit all this. these. We hit all these topics. Wow. Yeah. Maybe we're not as terrible as this I thought we Maybe were. Maybe we're not. <laughs> Maybe we're okay. Uh, the episode makes several missteps, primarily, primarily that the conversion brainwashing actually does anything beyond traumatizing the victims. That's kind of what I was talking about in the episode. Yeah, you touched on that in the episode. How yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's just yeah. And that the relationship between Soren and Riker is purely based on gender, not so for Riker, I suppose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was sort of the thing that like yeah. Jonathan Frakes was getting at when he was talking about how the actor should have been a male, a male. to yeah. at least put some actual gayness in the LGBTQ yeah. episode. The, yeah. Uh, this concept was a major element of one of my favorite science fiction books by Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, The Left Hand of Darkness. I've never read this. Oh, I haven't read that either. The race of humans in that book are also entirely ambisexual, and while that isn't the main part of the book, it enhances the other themes within. As it was written by a titan of social progress science fiction, I would recommend it to anyone interested in more-slash-better stories of a similar vein. 
He's, oh, thank you. Yeah, like, I, I, I was talking about this in the episode, how you should seek out better stories written by actual LGBTQ folks on yeah. the subject. You know what? I feel like we did a we were we're really good in that episode. Let's, now let's pat ourselves on the yeah. back. <laughs> are we are we basically like human rights activists at this point, Jeff? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like presidents of space is the correct term for what we are because we're we're beyond human measure. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. The left hand. Oh, look, it comes up. Did you think Curacle made it up? No, no. It, like, it, it just it knew exactly what I was saying. It knew. It's listening to you as well. It is. Paperback. Uh, do they audio books? Do they got that? Paperback writer. One credit on Audible. I have Audible. Nice. I'm going to get it. Not right now, though. Hell yeah. You want to finish out that email? Uh, I thought I did. Did I not? No. What? Okay. Uh, peace and long life and T T T T T track with your people. <laughs> Rough. All around shoddy performance on the end there. <laughs> Am I supposed to know what that is? It's T T T track with your people. <laughs> track with your people. Damn, non binary friend. Where'd you get that? <laughs> Damn, non-binary child, where'd, the, where'd you find this item? Uh, so, coming in at 1.12pm today. I was right on the, on the nose there. I was just as shocked as you shall be when I received an email from Richard Masters. And it was entitled Enterprise Season 5, Episode 1. Oh my god. This dude is out of control. He's out of his mind, man. Yo, Trek boys. I just finished my rewatch of Enterprise, which was far better than I ever remembered, even though I kind of adored it originally. Rich, you're the only person who knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) I fucking talk about how it's better than I remember all the time. No, you said you hate it. You hate Captain Archer because he's George Bush. I said he was Donald Trump. Fuck you. <laughs> wow. No. Um, that being said, here's a story, a story set after the series finale, Terra Prime, and not after the fake one, These Are the Voyages, which can go suck a dead dog's dick. Dude, thank God. Also, uh, I want to compliment Rich on his formatting of this email. It's pleasant to look at. Oh, yeah. He, he always formats his shit so good. Oh, I never... I, sometimes I, re- I remember it being, like, big paragraphs. I don't like big paragraphs. It's true. I don't like reading words. My my tight virgin eyes can't handle big paragraphs. <laughs> Stretches them out, huh? Yeah. Ruins them for the next book I read. Jeez. <laughs> Captain Jonathan Archer sits in the front of the board of inquiry made up of humans, Vulcans, and a newly contacted species called the Stenix. They ask why he felt, with the recent creation of the Prime Directive, that it was Earth's place to interfere with the development of an entire species. Archer refutes that, saying that he didn't interfere with any development, just sought to right a wrong and stop the mistreatment of a section of that species. The Stenics are appalled at the accusation and demand restitution for the interference. Archer's new boss, Admiral Haim, asks him to recount the events leading up to the alleged breach of protocol. Is Admiral Haim in the band Haim? 
Yeah, he's the drummer. <laughs> They're all girls. Women. I know the band name. They're in that Licorice Pizza movie now. Wait, what? Yeah, one of them stars in Licorice Pizza movie. What the fuck are you talking about? It's L- the name of the movie. Licorice Pizza. It comes up. Oh my god. <laughs> what is Josh, this? Josh, not believing movies and books exist today. <laughs> Oh, the the yeah the, the the guitar player I think that's right. Ambassador Soval explains that Archer should carefully consider his answers. They mean they may lead to his dismissal. Damn. Title: The Cost of Innocence. Not my three days early. Cost. <laughs> Go ahead. Three days earlier, Archer sits having breakfast with T'Pol and Trip. He's still very protective of them following the death of their daughter, Elizabeth. Whoa. Wow, we're off to a fantastically happy We're off start. to a spoiler start, but I guess this is season five, episode one, so... I should have said something about spoilers ahead of it's time. It's 20 years old! Uh, <laughs> take me saying this, spoilers ahead, and just put it back at the beginning with all the editing. I, I know you do. I definitely will do that. Totally gonna do it. And asks if either of them have considered taking an extended leave of absence. Tripp shakes his head. We'd just rather keep busy. He realizes he's spoken for T'Pol. Uh, wouldn't we? He clarifies. T'Pol nods. She's being even more non-verbal. Less verbal than usual. <laughs> Archer tells them that whatever they need, he'll support. T'Pol asks if he would consider allowing them to have shared quarters for the time being, that it would allow them to mourn in a more private setting. Yo, dude, Rich Masters going for that CW contract, getting in the fucking end. <laughs> They're mourning the loss of their dog. What better time to fuck? You make a new one. <laughs> Trip seems surprised. He was obviously left out of this decision. Oh, nice. Archer tells them he'll make arrangements, but Travis interrupts via comms. They're receiving a distress call. The Enterprise arrives at Stenix Prime via some fancy flying by Travis Mayweather. The planet is surrounded by the remnants of a destroyed neighboring planet that acts as a barrier to Stenix. Hmm. Think I can see why they might need help, Triff scoffs. On the view screen, one of the larger chunks of the neighboring planet is on a direct collision course with Stenix Prime. Well, there's your problem. Archer answers the hail from the general of the Stenix advanced forces, who explains that they lack the technology to deal with this disaster and that they need immediate help. Mm-hmm. At the bridge's conference table, atrocious, deathly dull example of a British person, Malcolm Reed, explains... <laughs> Damn, burnt to the ground in the description of the wow. fucking script. Wow. Malcolm Reed explains that the asteroid is composed of Selenius, a super-tough element that their photons will struggle against. The size of the asteroid makes it a potential planet killer, far too large to be fully destroyed in time for the asteroid to not have catastrophic consequences. Mm. Malcolm suggests they try to break up the asteroid and destroy some of the fragments and potentially increase the area of damage, but prevent the risk to the planet's entire ecosystem. Tripp suggests they might be able to jury-rig their own version of a tractor beam using focused graviton beams to try to alter the trajectory of the asteroid and divert it completely. Just slow it down a little bit. Unless it's already in the gravity well, then you're in trouble. That's true. Uh, Archer thinks the plan has merit and reestablishes contact with the Stenix General, but he seems cold on the idea. She would rather go ahead with the destructive options. 
The southern continent where the asteroid is projected to land is uninhabited and damage to it is inconsequential. She seems almost eager to get going before other options are considered. Oh, this smells like a like a ruse. Uh, I know Archer where this is going. Archer agrees to her request and orders Malcolm and Travis to start projections of the asteroid demolition, but also asks Trip and T'Pol to work on the graviton, the graviton generator as a backup. He instructs Hoshi to arrange for a Starfleet evacuation ship to rendezvous with the Enterprise. There's one less than ten hours away. Uh, bad news. Uh, Starfleet has no ships, so we sent Travis's mom and dad. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> In their space station wagon. My favorite characters. <laughs> Trip is walking on eggshells around T'Pol, clearly needing to talk. She sighs, noticing his discomfort, and explains that if he has something to say, he should just say it. He apologizes. He knows that she doesn't want to talk about Elizabeth whilst on duty. He just doesn't handle it as well as she does. She flashes him her version of a furious look, and explains that just because she can focus on the work does not mean that she doesn't feel the loss as keenly. Tripp's about to explain he didn't mean that when Archer arrives. He goes to ask how it's going, but Tripp gives him a look, T'Pol provides a status update. They cannot produce the same sort of attractor beam that the Vulcans use. Enterprise just doesn't have the same capabilities or equipment readily on hand. One step behind, just like always, Tripp says. Damn, dude, it's not a race. T'Pol is rattled and upset, but does her best to hide it. She tells Archer that they've been running scans of the asteroid to find a third plan in case they fail, and the results come in almost immediately. Odd, she says. When questioned by the other two, she tells them that the asteroid is already showing signs that the Stenics have attempted to use gravimetric beam on it. They use it to pull it in. Exactly. Damn. So much for not having the technology, Tripp says. Meanwhile, Malcolm continues shaving the asteroid to destroy the smaller fragments, but it's slow going. Damn, I didn't know British people shaved. Uh, hold up, I want to pause the episode. Do you want to explain what the fuck you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything, Jeff. I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus Christ, Josh, you need to get some sleep after this. I don't know, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Unpause. Archer offers to go down to the planet to speak to the Stenix General, but she declines, opting to beam aboard Enterprise instead. She arrives in an environmental suit, unable to breathe in Enterprise's atmosphere. When confronted about their attempts to move the asteroid, the General explains that her people are proud and would not have wanted to lose face to another species. Hmm. Archer again offers to research their own graviton solution, but is rebuffed again. Something is wrong. Yeah, she's wearing a suit. Can I take your coat? <laughs> <laughs> Can I take your uh, environmental suit, please? <laughs> it's rude to wear it inside. I, dude, that's what my dad always said. After the general beams back down to the planet, Archer gets a call from Phlox, asking him to join him in sickbay. In sickbay, Archer, Trip, T'Pol, and Phlox look at a covert scan Phlox took of the visiting general. There are vast traces of selenius in her blood, deposits that shouldn't occur naturally. Traces that could have only have come from the asteroid, Fox explains. There are also strange recent mutations in her genetic code. What? Is this like a like a Starship Troopers egg situation? I don't know. Let's read on and find out. Let's read on. T'Pol confirms that though the Senex are capable of spaceflight, they certainly don't have the shielding capable to land on the asteroid and extract any Selenius. So how the hell are they getting it, asked Trip. 
Phlox asks if the planet has a history of these asteroid strikes, and Archer wants to know why. Because if they had, it would explain how these mutations are happening. Terraforming. Mm -hmm. I think we need to visit that southern continent, says Archer. Oh, not the southern continent. Yeah, I don't like to go south. Yeah. The shuttle arrives on Stenix. Archer, T'Pol, Reed, and Hoshi disembark, all in EV suits. The uninhabited southern continent is anything but uninhabited. A colony of people exists in a prefabricated in uh, in prefabricated temporary buildings that sit directly in the path of the asteroid. Upon questioning, they confirm that they used to coexist on the planet with their sister species, the Stenix, but were recently forced to the infertile southern continent by their military might. The Stenix call the subspecies the en the Enox. Which is Stenix for sacrifice. Uh-oh. Maybe Enix? Uh-oh. No, it's an O, so it's Enox. Enox. I would say Enix. Yeah, it's like an American way to say it, I think. Like, Stenix has an I, and I imagine they wouldn't have the word for sacrifice in the name of their own species. I would hope not. The Stenix have been using their graviton generators to bombard the southern continent with small asteroids. Seeking to terraform the planet and force the Enochs, who cannot exist in the selenius heavy environment they're hoping to generate. Hmm. The Enochs have been deprived of the Stenix technology, so they cannot even leave the planet. Fuck. Archer is furious, and when back on Enterprise, contacts the Stenix general. Upon learning that they have meddled with their planetary affairs, they demand the Enterprise leave immediately, that they will be calling the Vulcans for help. Archer refuses and says that he'll contact the Vulcans himself. Mm. When he returns to his ready room, Admiral Hale? Is that supposed to be Haim again? Haim. Admiral Haim is calling already. Because the situation is an internal war, effectively, Starfleet cannot get involved. The Vulcans are already on their way and will be there in a few hours. When the evacuation ship arrives, it should be sent on its way. Oh my god. Archer tries to debate the case, but Haim is having none of it. It's what the Prime Directive is here for, John. It's not our place. If you help those people, if you cover up that you've helped those people, you'll lose your commission. Hoshi tells the captain when the evacuation ship arrives, and almost immediately the Vulcan ship Surat hails them. Oh, this fucking guy. Captain Tevek tells Archer that she has Admiral Haim and Ad Ambassador Soval aboard, as the Stenix have demanded arbitration. Archer is to surrender himself to Stenix custody immediately and wait for them to arrive and debate the issue. Archer protests. The arbitration will be long enough that they will be unable to defend the Enochs, but Tevek reissues the order, and Archer complies. Oh, man, what? T'Pol goes to see Trip that evening and apologizes for her comments. My pain is more raw than you realize. I cannot let myself feel it without you being the only one who sees it, she explains. I rely on you, Trip. Trip understands. Do you want to talk about it now, he asks. No, says to Paul. I want to prevent the deaths of different innocents. The Enochs. Archer waits for the arbitration to get going. The Stenix have asked Archer that Archer submit himself to a mind meld to assure the accuracy of his testimony, to ensure he hasn't meddled any more than he's admitted. Though he isn't obligated to do so, Archer won't give them the satisfaction of letting them tarnish the reputation of Starfleet and submits to the mind meld. I don't think mind melds are admissible in court. 
Uh, Vulcans admit it, bitch. I don't. I don't admit their bullshit. <laughs> your mind to my mind. Oh, my mind to your mind. Oh god, I've jerked <sighs> off to Jeff's pictures. <laughs> Titties. <laughs> while he uh, while he's given testimony, the smaller asteroid crashes into the southern continent, killing all of the inhabitants. Well, that was fun. <laughs> Archer is cleared and allowed to return to Enterprise, but never again to Stenix Prime. Oh no, I don't get to go back to this hellhole. Cool. T'Pol enters her captain's ready room and stops before his desk. Archer is still dictating his report. She waits patiently for him to finish his sentence. The loss of the Enox was a tragedy, but one that our new Prime Directive seems to be comfortable with. I wonder if the Admiral who wrote this directive reads the accompanying reports, and if their conscience is as heavy as mine. End report. That's a that's a that's a that's a fucking call out. <laughs> to Paul raises an eyebrow. I believe tri- Commander Tucker would say that you are laying it on thick, Captain. <laughs> Archer smiles, amused by his XO's unique sense of humor and her obvious affection towards Trip. If Starfleet and the Vulcans want me to pass judgment on an entire species, they can take a little judgment in return. He stands. He stands. So where are they? T'Pol tilts her head, <laughs> as if weighing the consequences of her actions. A little surprised that Archer has managed to predict them. I do not know what you're referring to. On another unconnected note. Commander Tucker has had to flood the nacelle catwalks with a nitrogen-heavy atmosphere, so they will be out of bounds for a week. <laughs> Additionally, the evacuation ship encountered a transporter malfunction while you were down on the planet. Neither the Stenix nor the crew of the Sorat noticed. What's the likelihood that the Vulcan sensors were unable to pick that activity up, Archer asks. I would suggest it was highly improbable. But perhaps C- Captain Tevek was conveniently distracted, Paul <laughs> replies. Archer suggests that maybe there are two Vulcans who didn't agree with the high command today. Paul simply raises an eyebrow. We're ready to leave orbit, Captain. Insensato has found a planet a light year away with a nitrogen-based atmosphere if you think it might be worth exploring. Oh, nice. Archer smirks. Trip would also say our rebellious ha- behavior is rubbing off on you. Then perhaps it's time for me to mediate, Captain. I would hate to give you the wrong impression. <laughs> when Archer thanks her, she simply says, For what? Leaving Jonathan Archer to send his report. The end. That's so good! That's so fucking good, man. They saved him! They Yay! saved the Exxon! They saved the Exxons! The Exxon Valdezes! <laughs> That's that's cool, man. That's a cute little like self-contained story. Yeah, it's really good. I like that. That was good. Uh, he continues. I might do a few more of these Enterprise stories. Be warned. Yes, I'm very afraid of that. I'm Keep not. Keep your powder dry, TBs. Rich, Chief, whatever on the USS Wit not found. Does Rich know that in America our guns don't do that anymore? <laughs> We don't need powder anymore. Yeah, the powder is in the <laughs> bullet. It's in the shell. It's new America technology. Yeah. So of course it's for guns. It's for guns. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. That was a fairly simple morality play. Yeah. And I love that Archer, even in the final season, is ready to disobey orders for the betterment of yeah innocent people. I like. I like the. Um, 
yeah, like the simplicity is beautiful sometimes, and that was I like that a lot. That I really wish that there was a fifth season. Rich, just write Star Trek. Come on, just get just just do just it. Be the guy who writes all the Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, come on. Be the Gene I, L last name, but with a better last name. <laughs> Imagine if he was Gene L Masters. How much we would say his last name? Oh my name god! And not redact it. Glamasters. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always such a huge fan of the way you can like sneak in these really tender character moments amongst all the like yeah. action and exposition and stuff, even without including all the dialogue, like. The tr- I don't I don't even like Trip that much, but like the Trip yeah. into Paul scene like tugged at my heart. It was definitely them. Je- uh, I almost called Rich Jeff. Uh, it's same thing. Same guy. Uh, <laughs> Rich is really <laughs> good at characters, and I'm very jealous of his. Uh, yeah, me too. Quick interplay that he he just gets it. I don't. I there's no other way to put it. Rich, I'll, I'll take back that you're the same guy. Saying that enough made me lose my hair to match Josh, so I'm not dragging you into this. Don't lose your hair, <laughs> even though I know British people don't shave. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that somewhere. That's, I don't know where. It's an old saying that I've heard. British people hairy as fuck is what I learned today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the emails, everybody. We appreciate the hell out of it. Yeah. They were great. Good job. Uh, if you would like to have your email read on the program, then you can shoot it over to mclassemail at gmail.com, all singular, just like the title of the show, just like it's always been. Skeet it on over. Follow us on Twitter at mclasspodcast. Become a patron of ours over at patreon.com slash mclasspodcast. Mm-hmm. There's a chance by the time this comes out that there have been some big changes over there, and there's a chance that it's all the same shit. So, 50-50, Figure who knows? that out by becoming a patron today. Dude, it's like flipping a coin over here. That's enticing, right? Find <laughs> out if we change something by becoming a patron well, today. Well, we don't want to scare them. They're not bad changes. No. Unless they are. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Or am Or am I? <laughs> No, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you for everybody who wrote in today. Thank you to Josh for being my pal. I love you. I love you too, Jeff. I'm glad that uh, I made you lose your hair because now I'm not alone. <laughs> we are the only two bald guys in the world. Yep. So, yep. I still got a thin little layer of hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of it. It's like it's an like a half inch or an inch of hair, and I'm proud of it. Mine's coming. I shaved my head like right before Christmas, and it's coming back. Uh. Back foul beast. <laughs> now, thank you everybody again for tuning in. We'll be back in a week with more M class. So bye bye. Bye. It's been a long week since the last email. It's been a long time Since that last Rich Masters tale Pitch it or ditch it's from Boston John I need to catch my fix Of Jeff's table reads in a silly voice And Josh talking about dicks On M class email I swear there's never an S in M class email. 
It's always been singular that don't you settle for nothing less than it's back without fail It's empath It's empath Empath email